Let us worship the Lord today as we sing together 512. Give me the faith which can remove and sink the mountain to a plain. Give me the childlike praying love which longs to build thy house again. <clears throat>
Psalm 9 is the psalm for today. Let's listen to the Word of God before we come to the throne of grace. I will praise Thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all Thy marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in Thee. I will sing praise to Thy name, O Thy Most High. When mine enemies are turned back, they shall fall and perish at Thy presence. For thou hast maintained my right and my cause. Thou satest in the throne judging right. Thou hast rebuked the heathen. Thou hast destroyed the wicked. Thou hast put out their name forever and ever. O thy enemy, destructions are come to a perpetual end. And thou hast destroyed cities. Their memorial is perished with them. But the Lord shall endure forever. He hath prepared his throne for judgment, and he shall judge the world in righteousness. He shall minister judgment to the people in uprightness. The Lord will also be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee, for thy Lord hast not forsaken them that seek thee. Sing praises to the Lord which dwell in Zion. Declare among the people his doings. When he maketh inquisition for blood, he remembereth them. He forgetteth not the cry of the humble. Have mercy upon me, O Lord. Consider my trouble, which I suffer of them that hate me. Thou that liftest me up from the gates of death, that I may show forth all thy praise, in the gates of the daughter of Zion, I will rejoice in thy salvation. The heathen are sunk down in the pit that they made, in the net which they hid is their own foot taken. The Lord is known by the judgment which he executeth. The wicked is snared in the work of his own hands, Hegeon, Selah. The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations that forget God. For the needy shall not always be forgotten. The expectation of the poor shall not perish forever. Arise, O Lord, let not man prevail. Let the heathen be judged in thy sight. Put them in fear, O Lord, that the nations may know themselves to be but men. Selah. And we'll end the reading there at the end of the chapter. As we pray today, I want you to remember the Emmanuel Christian Station and our sister Noring in prayer. There have been a couple of sad events that have happened in and around that area. One of the fathers of a little girl, Victoria, who was age six, took his life this week, belongs to the school, this little girl. Uh, Noring's had to deal with that. And then also in a nearby village, yesterday there was an accident. One man was down digging a well. He got into trouble. His friend went down to help him. And as they were pulling him up, or pulling them both up, the, the rope snapped and both of them fell to their death. And that's just been a very sad and tragic uh, time in and around the school there. We pray also for the land of Ukraine. We know that it's been a year now since the war broke out there, and we pray for our friends that are here, 
So we take a moment as we come to prayer. I'm calling this a moment of reflection for your country. And we pray that the Lord will be with you. Thinking about our psalm today, there are little phrases there that I feel are so appropriate. He shall judge the world in righteousness. Whatever wickedness is happening in the world today, wicked men will be judged for it. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. And we pray that that will be so for your family and friends back in Ukraine. He forgetteth not the cry of the humble. As you come and pray and seek the Lord, the Lord will remember your prayers. The wicked is snared in the work of his own hands. And we pray that that will be so also. And then we're asking the Lord to arise. We had that word already at the early time of prayer in a different way, but this is the Lord rising up. And we're praying that the Lord will arise and let not man prevail. <clears throat> so we take a moment just as we quiet our hearts in the presence of God, a moment of reflection as we think of our friends here from Ukraine and what's happening in their country, and then we'll pray. Heavenly Father, in the quietness of this moment, we approach the throne of grace here in the public season of worship. We seek to bring ourselves before the presence of the Almighty, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the sustainer of all things throughout the universe, and indeed the redeemer of our souls. We come to your presence today as we worship thee as a church as we seek to uplift the name of our Savior who has wrought eternal salvation on our behalf, we come to glory in Him, to rejoice afresh in all that He has accomplished at the cross. We thank You for sins forgiven. We thank You for pardon and peace with God forevermore. We thank You for that sweet assurance in our souls today, knowing that it is well with us for time and eternity. We thank you for the one that was crucified and died in our stead, taking our place fully, bearing our punishment completely, and coming out victoriously as the risen, exalted Savior. And Lord, it is to this presence that we come to worship God, to adore our dear Savior, Jesus Christ, and to fellowship with the saints of God that are here in this church building. We do remember the land of Ukraine at this time. And Lord, we know that there is a judge of all the earth who sees all that takes place in the world, in the nations of the world, the wickedness in every land, and not least what is happening in this war situation. We know that he is a refuge for the oppressed and for those who are in times of trouble. And there's many fit that category this very day. We remember the family and the friends of these folks back in Ukraine, some of them serving in the army, some of them on the front line, some of them living in the cities that are being bombed, 
Lord, we pray that you will keep them, that you will protect them, that you will surround them in your mercy and your love. Lord, do not forget the cry of the humble as the prayers of the saints arise to thee in these days. And Lord, we pray that even the wicked will be snared in their own work, the work of their hands. We pray, Lord, that they'll fall into the very pit that they've digged for others. And so move, Lord, and bring this terrible war to a conclusion. Remember also the land of Turkey and, and Syria and the devastation caused by the earthquake and all the aftermath of that, the many that are suffering, and we see it, Lord, in the news every day. Lord, we know that there is a people of God in those countries, and we pray especially for them as they seek to be a witness at this time in the midst of darkness and dismay. Oh, Lord, bring a light, even the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, and remember, remember them for good. Remember also the policeman that was so critically injured this week. We pray for his recovery. We pray that you will step into his life and, and restore him to health and strength and be with the medical staff as they attend to him. Remember those that mourn today, our sister Helen here and her family circle, the Monteiths. We commit again into your care and we pray that they will prove the comfort of God in sorrow. We thank you for the long life that you gave to Molly and we thank you for the bright witness that she had. And Lord, you've taken her to be with yourself and we know that that is far better for her. But very conscious at the same time, there is separation on earth and there is sorrow here in this world. We think of Ernie and the family. We commit them in love to thee. We pray, Lord, that thou will draw graciously near to them and walk with them in this journey of sorrow and comfort their hearts. Thank thee for today already and for the time of prayer this morning as we, we thought about God arising and visiting and coming with power and revival, and we pray that that will be so even here today. Lord, you know what's in our minds and hearts. You know the burden that we carry for this very service, and we pray that you will speak to all that are here and that revival will start in our hearts throughout this service when we come to the reading and the preaching of your word, make it a very powerful time, a very uh, near time of, of God's presence when the Spirit will be poured out and a work, oh, a real work, not a shallow work, not a superficial work, but a deep work of the Spirit will be done in all of our hearts. Open our eyes to see. Give us a vision for your work. Give us, Lord, a desire for the kingdom of Christ and reaching out to the lost in our day and generation. Thank thee for new children at the Sunday school this morning. Oh, how we bless thee for what you're doing among the youth. You've given opportunities in Sunday school and youth challenge and in the schools as well. Help us to sow the seed faithfully into the hearts of the upcoming generation that they might know God and that they might know what they need to do to be saved. And we pray for them that they will come to Christ and know his mercy and forgiveness. So bless this day, sanctify it to us in Jesus' name. Amen. We sing together, 511, throw out the lifeline across the dark wave. There is a brother whom someone should save, somebody's brother. Oh, who then will dare to throw out the lifeline his peril to share?
very warm word of welcome to you as you come to worship with us here at Hebron. And if you're joining us on the internet, we're glad to have you. May you be blessed as you sit at home or wherever you are and be part of this service today. Our gospel meeting is at 7 o'clock tonight, preceded by the season of prayer at 6.30. There's a text in Ecclesiastes 11 and verse 9 uh, that I was reading this week, and it really struck me, and I believe the Lord wants me to preach it tonight, about a day of accountability, a certain day of accountability when we'll stand before the Lord. And there's a particular application to young people. So young people come and bring your friends with you. Refreshments will be served, and the ladies are asked to bring a small tray of eatables. Monday morning, the Hebron Tots will meet from 10 o'clock until 12. They had a very good start, a very good start on Monday. Uh, 34 little children and 20 adults, and maybe more tomorrow. There's one or two can't make it because of illness in the morning, and therefore we're going to make a little appeal. If there's anybody that's free tomorrow morning in that time, any of our members, uh, we would love to have you just to help out at this event. So please let us know as soon as you can. There is an online Zoom prayer meeting I just want to mention now. It's coming up here in the announcements. I would have had it later, but uh, Saturday, the 11th of March, from 9.30 to 11. I want to pray for our country, that the Lord will bring our land to repentance and intervene in revival mercy, as it says here. You can register for that time of prayer on the Free Presbyterian Facebook page link. Secondly, there's a protest against abortion on the 25th of March at 11 o'clock, and that will be at the front of the City Hall in Belfast. The speaker, it's an open-air meeting. The speaker will be the Reverend Armstrong, our moderator, and uh, women and children and all are invited to come as a family time as we uphold the values that we believe the Word of God teaches. On Tuesday night, Youth Challenge is at 7. We're greatly encouraged by what the Lord is doing there and the children are being brought in. Wednesday night is a special meeting for our ladies, and this month at 8 o'clock, Caroline Campbell from Lisburn will be here. Christine, Moira, and Elaine from our own church will be singing. And that's the little advert that's been going out. And you got that on the WhatsApp group. Pass it on, make it known, invite others to come. Thursday night, we want to make a special night for our Ukrainian friends. And so it'll take the form of a panel and our Ukrainians will answer questions about their experiences leaving their home country in a time of war and coming here to Northern Ireland and settling in Balamoni. We're thinking about our own friends that are here. Uh, would you pray for that? Will you come yourself and bring others with you? And we will share this uh, on social media so that you can make it known to others. Um, I was thinking of a little text there, he giveth more grace. These were the, one of the first photographs we took whenever they arrived here. Friday is the Youth Fellowship. Aaron Johnson will be bringing the Bible study. Friday is also Presbytery and Oma Free Church. 
Saturday morning is the open-air meeting in Balamoney at 11. Next Lord's Day, the prayer meeting at 8. Sunday school at 10.30. The Bible class at a quarter to 11. And we have our footwear for the fight, thinking of the Christian armor, the soldier and the shoes, and our brother Phil will be the speaker. Worship service then, 12 noon. I'll be here to preach. Family night at 7. Uh, David Johnson is here to give his testimony. And these are the little cards that we've printed to give out. We'll say something about that later. And you can share it also on WhatsApp and Facebook and so forth. Refreshments will be served. And the ladies are asked to bring half a loaf of sandwiches and a dozen buns, please. Mentioned Thursday night as we seek to get everything back to as much normality as possible after the dreadful days of COVID, we will be returning to lifting the offering publicly during the church service from the beginning of March. That's the next, next Lord's Day. Uh, if you're paying online, as we said on Thursday night, uh, don't, don't worry about that. Just pass the collection plate on to the next person. We have a prayer requests that we, we look at continually, and these are folks that we keep before the Lord. I was asked to add to the list a lady by the name of Annabelle. She's a very close friend of Brenda Weir. Uh, she, this lady lives in Scotland. We prayed for her a number of years ago. She had a tumor, and the tumor is back, and she still needs prayer. So please remember her at the throne of grace. Reverend McDole uh, wants you to know there's a couple of places left for that Bible tour. Uh, it takes the form of a cruise, but going to Bible lands, and that is in September time, the end of September, end of October. We have the forms for that. And as far as I know, there's an, an extra couple of days, certainly an extra couple of visits that have been added uh, free of charge to that. Uh, he wanted me to tell you. We showed a few slides, and I'm not going to prolong it this morning, but quite a few of you maybe didn't see this last Thursday night, but this was the first uh, time when our tots were back again, and it was very successful. I thank the leaders, the ladies that came to help and to take time with the children. We also had uh, a good number of children at Youth Challenge, and because it was Pancake Tuesday, they got, they got pancakes at the end, and they thoroughly enjoyed what they got. It was just a lovely time with these children. Many of them uh, are from outside the congregation, and we are so privileged to have them coming along to our church and being part of Youth Challenge on a Tuesday night, as well as some from our own church, of course. We continue to pray for the Indian Orphan Project. Every month, the Pankers faithful in sending me many photographs, and these are just a few samples of the children that are being helped and fed and where the gospel is going. Also, in recent days, the Panker has been involved in outreach ministry, going into homes of Indian people and presenting the gospel to them. Will you please pray for that ministry? We were delighted to receive uh, slides or pictures from Ebenezer Nombre in the Philippines. And this is the youth ministry. And so many young people gathering to hear the word of God. And just to mention again to you, Ukraine, uh, to pray for it. The 24th of February marked the commencement of the war one year ago. And so our thoughts are with our folks here today. We thank you for praying for the visit to Romania, the six days that we had there with these people. Uh, that's the folks that 
were able to come with us, and we thank them for all that they did. Every, every day was busy. We rose early and uh, got to bed at a later time, but we got to visit with Stefan's family, and the great encouragement for us uh, is that over the past two, two months, Pastor Bebby has been going every Wednesday to have a meeting in the home, and we're so glad to be able to say as a result of that, there have been four conversions and this family is very near to our hearts, to this congregation, but particularly to our family, and little Florentina, whom we mention often, her mum, Trina, Estefan's brother, Patrick, and his wife have all come to trust in the Savior. So we went to the church at Badila, and there's a couple of projects that we want to be involved in. They're going to build a 310-meter fence to stop the cattle getting in, uh, to fruit trees that will be planted in the near future so that they can provide food for this local church and community that are very poor. And also at the front, they want to start erecting greenhouses. Those are the large type, you know, the circular shape, semi-circular shape, 60 meters by 30 to grow again food, uh, vegetables and, and fruit. This family lives in a container. We were able to stand in their yard and uh, talk to them about the things of the Lord. Uh, they have to get out of that container by October. We want to try and help them get into a little house somewhere. Their house was destroyed in a mudslide as the mud came down the side of the mountain and just wiped their house away. So the local government stepped in, provided this facility, but it's only until October they're also able to help with a new stove for this family that had no heat except for the wee second-hand burner that was put in last November, but it's, it's well past the sell-by date. There's a new burner, and they're able to cook on it. This grandmother lives with her granddaughter, uh, Maria, and we were able to help when we were there. We were able to help also with the building of the chicken coops. We, we did a little bit, the pastor and his team did most of it, but that's what was happening. Uh, one of the mornings, we went out to visit poor families, spent time with the children, and conducted meetings with them also. We also went to the Tudor Church and uh, saw the hot meal project up and operational, these people coming in to be fed, and it just was a thrill to our hearts to see at least once a week this hot meal is being provided. Then out into the district, out into the Roma community for some street preaching. Uh, sometimes it necessitated climbing up a hill in the snow, but going to these homes and presenting Christ to the people, and then later on the children coming in for a children's meeting. On the Saturday, we drove out into the mountains to Godeshti, uh, if I pronounced that right, and we, we met with two Roma communities and two villages really out in the middle of nowhere. But there they came, standing on the road to listen to God's word. And we were thankful for the reception and the way that they listened to the preaching of the gospel. Thank you for your prayers. On the Saturday night, we came back for a meeting in the church in Chuta. And then on the Lord's Day, we brought Stefan's family. It's a, it was an hour to go and get them, an hour over to the church, and then the same journey back. But we brought them to Badila, where we preached the word and some members took part. At the end of the service, you can't really see him, but the man at the far side of these two ladies 
came to trust in Christ as his Savior, and that was a great seal on our visit there. And meantime, in the other church, the Reverend Gray was preaching the word. And then that Sunday night, we traveled to Campina, to the church there where we took part in the services. And Monday morning before coming home, we had a final visit to Aroma family where we spent some time with these folks and um, taught them deep and wide. And this little girl recited the, the Lord's Prayer. So that's a very, very quick overview. We're going to sing our hymn now, 515, before we come to the Word. Is your life a channel of blessing? Is the love of God flowing through you? Are you telling the lost of the Savior? Are you ready His service to do? So lots of questions being asked here. And as you sing them and you ask them, only you can answer, only you can answer each, each line. Is your life a channel of blessing? Is the love of God flowing through you? Are you telling the lost of the Savior? Are you ready His service to do? I want you to be challenged as you, re as you read and listen and sing this uh, hymn together. Uh, may you pray then, make me a channel of blessing. Amen. I'm going to read from the first chapter of the Gospel of John, the final verses from verse 35 to 51. Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 35. Again, the next day after John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, 
Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him and, and heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt, and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah, thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee, and findeth Philip, and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was off Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him, of whom Moses in the law and in the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him, and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and said, saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, Believest thou, thou shalt see greater things than these. And he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. May God bless his word to our hearts as we read it together. We'll pray briefly. Heavenly Father, this is your word. This is a time for the hearing of it. And we bring ourselves with reverence to God now, to his word. We come with desire of heart to hear from heaven. Lord, speak to us. Don't let us leave the meeting without hearing from God. Lord, we believe that this, this meeting will be a vain exercise if we were to go out through the door the way we come in. Lord, we pray that you will settle our minds and our hearts down now to your word and that you will speak in a very powerful way. Fill me with the Holy Spirit of God that I might be able to bring this message today. We believe it's important for us as a congregation just now. And so draw near and help us, Lord, for vain is the help of man. In Jesus' name, we pray and ask these things. Amen. Ever concerned for the souls of perishing sinners, I want to bring a message of challenge to God's believing people. The sermon will draw attention to our solemn responsibility 
in reaching others with the message of the gospel. And I trust that it will stir your heart to its core and center and be the means under God of setting you, this church, on fire to engage in the ministry of evangelism in a way that you have never been engaged in this ministry before. Sometimes I feel I do not need to remind men and women all around us or remind you of men and women all around us that are perishing in their sin, in our homes, in our factories, in our businesses, in our neighborhood, in our shops, in our towns and cities. They're lost without hope. And they're going down, down, down to a Christless hell. Such is the sad reality. And we know as the redeemed of children that this is so. And that's why I say to you, sometimes I feel I don't need to remind you. But is it not true that we are apt to forget such tragic and solemn reality? Do we not often lose our vision and our burden? Our sight is dim, our hearts are cold, our labors are diminished from what they used to be. So I want to challenge your heart as well as mine. I want the whole church to be on fire for God, from the pulpit to the pew, from the pew to the pulpit, and I pray that God will send the breath of His Spirit in a mighty wave of conviction and power and blessing to this congregation today, like a mighty tsunami sweeping away the rubbish from our lives, from our hearts, and enduing us with power, washing our eyes to see, filling our souls with a new burden and desire to win the loss for Christ. The elders of the church have often talked about our duty of of winning the lost, and that's why this church has a particular emphasis on soul winning and evangelism. We think of our outreach work, our open airs, our missions, the children's ministry, the youth ministry, the internet ministry, the mission trips that we do. Recently, we discussed the, the opportunity that Family Night presents to us, and once a month it gives us a, an ideal situation and opportunity to reach out to others with the gospel. It is our intention to, to get little invitations printed, and that's why I said I will come to this later. That's the little invitation. You should have seen it by now. You maybe got one handed into your hand last week, and it is our, our thought that you will take this invitation as well as sharing the one that is digital on the internet on social media, on WhatsApp, whatever it might be, but to get it out. But what we want you to do is to take at least one of these and to go to someone prayerfully, earnestly, looking to the Lord and physically hand it into their hand and say, will you come? Will you come to family night next Sunday night? That's the burden that we have for this family night and for the family nights that are ahead we want to see the church filled. We, we long for, 
every pew to be occupied. May God give us a vision today. One of our elders suggested the title, One, Bring One. Even if everyone labored to bring just one, just one to the church to hear the gospel, just one. That shouldn't be too difficult if we, if we set our minds and our hearts prayerfully and sincerely to this task. There is an old saying which, when, when you quote it, it sounds quite humorous, but there's a great deal of truth in it, and it goes something like this. If each one won, one won. And if each one won, one won. What host would be won when each one won, one won? And that makes perfectly good sense and perfectly good English when you're able to know O-N-E and W-O-N and where to put it. And I want you to remember that. If just one Christian, one Christian, sought by the grace of God in one year to win a lost soul to Christ. At the end of that year, you have that person and their new convert, two people that know the Lord. If in the second year, those two go out and they seek to win one each, just one each to the Lord in that second year, the mass is quite easy. That's four at the end of the second year. If in the third year, those four go out and they seek to win one to the Lord in that 12-month period, at the end of that year, there will be eight. And you begin to, to, to do that. Do you know that in 21 years, only 21 years, the whole of Northern Ireland would be converted? Because you, you will get to a figure of over two million people being converted to Christ. 2,097,152 to be precise. Now, of course, this is not the way things work in the overall purpose of God, but it does demonstrate something. It demonstrates the effectiveness of personal evangelism. And incidentally, the whole of Ireland would be converted by the end of the 23rd year because that would mean there would be 8,388,608 converts. I lectured for 11 years in the Whitfield College of the Bible on this subject of personal evangelism. My lecture began with two short paragraphs. I want to read them to you. The problems of reaching the masses is one that has long exercised the minds of those who are anxious for the salvation of their fellows. And that problem is as acute as ever. The alienation of vast multitudes from the churches is marked, and the difficulty, even in times of special missions, of getting outsiders in under the sound of the gospel is increasingly great. The second paragraph, by the personal touch of many of them, by the personal touch many of them may be one for Christ. They need to be one. They ought to be one. And the heart of every believer, there should be the desire to win some of them. Compassionate interest in the unsaved 
ought to characterize every child of God. In my introductory pages of the lecture, I use some of the quotations from the great preacher C.H. Spurgeon, the man that preached to a vast congregation morning and night in the Metropolitan Tabernacle in London for 30 years, 6,000 people in the morning, 6,000 people at night, and at other times of special outreach, there were tens of thousands that came to hear him preach. A great soul winner. And this is what Spurgeon said, and I want you to listen to some of these quotes. The saving of, mul- of souls, if a man has once gained love to perishing sinners and his blessed master, will be an all-absorbing passion to him. It will so carry him away that he will almost forget himself in the saving of others. He will be like the brave fireman who cares not for the scorch or the heat so that he may rescue the poor creature on whom true humanity has set his heart. If sinners will be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. If they will perish, let them perish with our arms about their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, at least let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions, and let not one go there unwarned and unprayed for. To be a soul winner is the happiest thing in the world. And with every soul you bring to Jesus Christ, you seem to get a new heaven here upon earth. You cannot stop their dying. But oh, that God might help you stop their being damned. You cannot stop the breath from going out of their bodies. But oh, if the gospel could but stop their souls from going down to destruction, the Holy Spirit will move them by first moving you. If you can rest without their being saved, they will rest too. But if you are filled with an agony for them, if you cannot bear that they should be lost, you will soon find that they are uneasy too. I hope that you will get into such a state that you will dream about your child or your hearer perishing for lack of Christ and start up at once and begin to cry, Oh God, give me converts or I die. Then you will have converts. Have you no wish for others to be saved? Then you were not saved yourself. Be sure of that. My main business is the saving of souls. This one thing. I do. Just some of the little quotations from the sermons of the great Spurgeon as he preached to the multitude in his day. I pray to God that we will begin to feel this way, to possess this kind of burden. I don't want you to forget this sermon too quickly. I don't want you to leave God's house today and, and the service, the sermons behind you. I want you to continue to think about what I'm going to say to you. As we think about the subject, one bring one, I want to draw your attention to to those in the Scripture who did just that. There are no greater examples of this than those that we read about in the opening chapters of John's Gospel. Andrew brings a family member. Philip brings a friend. And later on in chapter 4, we have Jesus 
who brings a stranger. Or if you want to alliterate it, you could say a foreigner, as the Samaritans were to the Jews. These are three areas of Christian service, of soul winning and evangelism. Our family, our friends, and strangers. Is there a family member in your household without Christ going down the broad road to destruction? This is where your mission field begins. This is where your one bring one must start. Have you a friend lost in sin who cannot find his way? He's going out into the eternal night of the blackness of darkness forever. You meet him every week, maybe even every day. He's near to your heart and friendship, but you have failed thus far to be a godly and a saving influence in his life. Here is your second mission field. Then we have the stranger. They are not counted as family or friends. You hardly know them. But they are reachable with the gospel because they live nearby. They are here in the town where we live. They are a distant acquaintance. And so we can say not far away in heathen darkness dwelling. Here is your third mission field. Before this message is finished, God will have spoken. I have no doubt about that. He will have dealt with your heart. He will have pressed the serious issues of eternity upon your soul. And you will have made decisions before you leave the house of God today. Be very sure of that. You will either decide to get involved in bringing others to Christ, redoubling your efforts and your witness and your invitation in your prayer, in your soul commitment, or you will decide to continue just as you are without concern, without burden, without vision, without compassion, without an interest in the eternal well-being of the lost around you. And so I'm praying, and I know there's others praying, that the Holy Spirit will, will burden us today, will break us will bestow on us such a weight and a burden for perishing souls that you will, by the grace of God, reach souls for Christ this year. Don't let the moment of, or the, the emotion of the moment fire your soul just for a day or two. Indeed, a work of the flesh. But pray that God himself will do such a work in your heart that your vision and your concern for sinners will be lasting and meaningful and deep and energetic, compassionate and caring. Albert Simpson penned the words of that hymn, A Hundred Thousand Souls a Day, which has been described as a missionary cry. And I want you to hear that missionary cry in your ear and in your heart today so that you become a missionary on your doorstep to the thousands around you. A hundred thousand souls a day are passing one by one away in Christless guilt and gloom. 
without one ray of hope or light, with future dark as endless night, they're passing to their doom. They're passing to their doom. The fifth verse says they're passing, passing fast away, a hundred thousand souls a day in Christless guilt and gloom. O church of Christ, what wilt thou say when in the awful judgment day they charge thee with their doom? They charge thee with their doom. What will you say in that day to that lost soul that you never witnessed to and never told them about the Savior? So I want to look at this message. The message is really divided into two, a long introduction and then three short points. But first of all, Andrew brings a family member. We read about it in chapter 1 of John's Gospel, verse 40 through to verse 42. My first one bring one must begin right here. Throw out the lifeline across the dark wave. There is a brother whom someone should save. Is there a brother in your family out of Christ? You've grown up with them. They've been close. Your souls have been knit together. But you were saved, and he is not. You were on the narrow road that leads to life and heaven and celestial glory, but he's on the downward path that leads to hell. Your sins are forgiven, washed in the Redeemer's blood, that crimson blood. But his sins are as black as night and are condemning him to the chains of darkness and eternal torment forever. This brother needs Christ. He needs to be lifted out of his sins to the rock Christ Jesus. He needs deliverance from the darkness of Satan's kingdom and brought into the kingdom of light. Only the gospel can do this. Only Christ can change and transform his soul and make him fit for heaven. What will you do to rescue him from hell? And destruction. What will your decision be? As God the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart at this moment, will you covenant before Almighty God that you will get your brother to Christ, that he will be your one, bring one this year? Will you move heaven and earth to get him to the feet of the Savior? Will you invite him in under the sound of the gospel? Will you pray earnestly for him? Will you get to the public seasons of prayer and intercession and plead for his soul before God? You see, Andrew did. Brought his brother to Christ. As I looked at these verses here that, that tell us about what Andrew did, I see that it was his priority. It says he first findeth. I just want to mark the word first. He first findeth. You make sure it's your priority. It was not only his priority, it was pursuing. It says he findeth. And that certainly gives us the idea of pursuit, pursuing after. He went out and he found him. It was personal. It was one-to-one evangelism. It was precious because it was his brother. It was his brother. It wasn't somebody else's brother. Oh, you can reach other people with the gospel too, and somebody else's brother, but it was his brother. You want to reach your brother for Christ. 
It was with proclamation. We have found the Messiah. He had something to say. He told him of Christ. We have found the promised one. And it was particular because he brought him to Christ. He brought him to Jesus. You make that your ultimate goal. And praise God, it was powerful because it resulted in his conversion to Christ. It may not be a brother that needs rescued and retrieved. It might be a sister who's rushing headlong to the fires of damnation. It might be some son or daughter in your family and they're without Christ and they are without hope. And one day if they die as they are, it will be hell forevermore. It might be some aged mother or father and they're nearer the grave than ever before and time is short for them. How urgent is the need, therefore, to get them to Christ? Andrew brings a family member. Notice, secondly, Philip brings a friend. And this is recorded from verse 45 onwards. Here is a powerful example of what our relationship should be with our friends. Chiefly, soul friendship. It is to do that all to do all we can under God by his grace, wisdom, and power to bring our friends to Christ. Philip had the best kind of friendship for Nathaniel. It was friendship that centered on the eternal. Friendship that yearned for conversion. Friendship that brought another to the Savior. Friendship with eternal values in view. Of all the things that you can possibly do for your friends, this is the highest service. This is the greatest endeavor. This is the supremest task. Tell them of Jesus, the mighty to save. When you are in the company of your friends, what is your conversation and your behavior and your activity like? Too often we can speak about everything else under the sun. Isn't that right? And talk about the weather, how beautiful a day it is as we see the sun shining today. And we can talk about politics and Brexit and, and the protocol. All those things are, are uppermost in the minds of people in this island. We can talk about our family. We can talk about employment. We can talk about sport. We can talk about entertainment. We can talk about the war that's happening in Ukraine. We can talk about the earthquakes like we've had in Turkey and Syria. We can talk about other people when we should not. But no words for Christ. No witness to save their souls from death and destruction. God of mercy on us, if that's the case. And God awaken us your one bring one might be some dear friend. Andrew brings a family member. Philip brings a friend. Jesus brings a stranger. Just to mention one verse in chapter 4, verse 4, it says he must needs go through Samaria. And we know why he went there. To meet this woman at the well. How often we have meditated upon the soul winning of Jesus. I need not read this chapter. It's a long narrative. I need not read it because you know it so well. 
The blessed Lord Jesus comes to the city of Sychar where he meets this Samaritan woman and imparts to her the water of life. And we see in Jesus one of the most beautiful illustrations of what it is to be a soul winner, to be evangelistic, reaching others with the gospel. He's tired. He's weary. He's thirsty because of his journey, but that didn't matter. There was something more important than his physical tiredness. It was this soul. He's he's led with deep compulsion and concern. In the text that I read, that word must, he must go there. He must go through Samaria to meet. I, I trust that you and I will feel that way, that there'll be that compulsion of soul. We must do it. We must tell others about the Lord Jesus. He enters into conversation with this woman. Somebody needs to start a conversation instead of standing there looking at each other and saying nothing. You need to talk. And Jesus started the conversation. Give me the drink. He breaks down the barriers of prejudice. And there were barriers between the Jews and the Samaritans. They did not have dealings, the one with the other. But that did not matter. There was a soul at stake. And Jesus broke down those barriers of prejudice. He uses the water of the well as an illustration. Nothing wrong with using an illustration. And he tells this woman that there is the water of life that he can give her. There will be a well of water inside of her, bursting forth into eternal life. He uses great wisdom, reproving her for her sin. And he did that. Didn't blast her sin, but he told her clearly about her sin, about the immoral lifestyle that she was living. And he points her to himself, the Messiah. I that speak unto thee am he. And that's our great task, to point men to Christ. And the woman finds the Savior. And she becomes a great soul winner herself. My friends, there are strangers in our town that need the gospel. There are multitudes in our streets, in our shops, in our workplaces, in our schools, young people. They're lost in sin. And here is your third mission field. You're one, bring one. It's the stranger out there. It's the person that you don't know or you hardly know. We've got a responsibility to do this. And so as we think this family night, as we think of every family night this year, we think of the invitations that will be printed. We think of this sermon, one, bring one. We're not asking you to bring 20 people. I would love you to bring 20 people. We're just asking you to bring one. Some family member. Some friend. Some stranger. Bring them in that they might hear the gospel. And pray as you go. And pray as they come. That God will do a work in their heart and make our witness this year very powerful and very effectual. That we might see the church filled, not that we can boast in a full church, but that the Lord has a people here to hear the gospel and be saved. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we've delivered our heart today. We've brought this message And Lord, you've spoken to us. 
And there are people that we know out of Christ and they need to be reached. And maybe we have to admit this day we've been doing very, very little to bring them to the Savior. Oh God. May we be brought to the question, that Bible question, that Saul of Tarsus asked the very day that he was converted. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And then, Lord, when we know what you have us to do, when we go and do it, may we give the invitations out. May we be a witness to others. May we bring some family member to Christ, some friend to Christ, even some stranger to know the Lord. Give us a vision, Lord. Don't let us leave God's house today without knowing that God has spoken and without being willing to act upon it and without handing ourselves over to say, Lord, here am I. I'm weak of myself. I don't have many talents, perhaps. But Lord, I can get somebody in under the sound of the word. Help me to go to that somebody. And help me to be an evangelist. To win them to the Savior. Oh, for a work of grace that's lasting. To be done right now. Blessed Spirit. We leave the issues of this meeting therefore with thee. It's out of my hands. It's in thy hands. Do with us as thy wilt that which is pleasing in your sight for Christ's sake. Amen. We sing together the closing hymn, Rescue the Perishing. It's 514. Care for the dying. Snatch them in pity from sin in the grave. We bore the erring one. Lift up the fallen. Tell them of Jesus, the mighty to save. And we'll sing just verses 1 and 4 of the hymn. sermon with you between you and God today.
didn't ask you to raise a hand, come to the front, or make any kind of public declaration. I'm asking that God will do a work in your heart. It's between you and the Lord now as you leave God's house. May the Lord help us even to bring one to Christ. Lord, separate us with your blessing. Teach us your will, and may we do it. Give us the heart of the evangelist. Help us to rescue the perishing and care for the dying. To snatch them in pity from sin and the grief. To weep over the erring one. To lift up the fallen. To tell them of Jesus, the mighty to save. Make our witness effectual, we pray. And we receive revival this year. For Jesus' sake. Amen.